Welcome back to another episode here on the Dunkin' with Dom podcast. Tyler, it's good to have you back on the pod. Dom, thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's always fun to chat a little NBA with you. Well, NBA is definitely the big subject for today's episode. Uh, me and Tyler, uh, for as much as we are both positive people today, we are getting serious with today's episode and deep diving into all the NBA teams that, as of this point in the season, really – uh, have little direction. I call it the panic segment, breaking down the teams that we feel need to do something, whether it's a coaching change, whether it's a roster move, whether it's a shift in rotations, whatever it may be. Tyler, you're the guest. I want to get started with this. Before we kind of go back and forth picking teams, the obvious answer here for this segment is the Brooklyn Nets. As of this recording, lose eight in a row. Katie's still out. The Harden murmurs are still out there. Kyrie is still not vaccinated. Their bench is kind of not really all that good. What, what is your take kind of from the Brooklyn Nets right now? Here's the thing, Dom. I am not actually too, too concerned about the Nets because of the first point you mentioned. Kevin Durant is out. And Kevin Durant is the best player arguably in the NBA. I don't think he is. I think that goes to Giannis. But he is, for many people, the best player in all of basketball. And when you're missing that, it's going to definitely hurt you. James Harden, I think he's overrated. I've been saying that for a long, long time now. But I do think once the trade deadline passes and whatever happens, happens, he'll get back into the swing of things because there's no way out for him until after the season, whether it be free agency or another trade. So for the Nets, this week is going to be tough. But once they get past this week, I'm not going to be concerned. Kyrie should get vaccinated um, for the Nets' sake. I don't, they shouldn't force him. I, I do think there's still rumblings out there that New York City could change its um, policy right before, like right around April and May. So that'd be for the playoffs. So there's still hope that, but even then, I, I honestly would not be surprised if Kyrie Irving, if the playoffs come around and he still isn't vaccinated, that he actually does get vaccinated just so we could play in the playoffs at home. And again, and I think overall the Nets, yeah, their bench is definitely concerning, but when you have those three guys all playing together, I know that's a big if because so little has happened. It's going to be a massive plus in the playoffs. It's going to be a great uh, sign for that. There's a lot to unpack there. The big one, of course, is I agree with you for the most part. I think Kevin Durant, of course, the absence of him is hard for this team. Like quietly, he was having a very, very good MVP run before the injury happened. And now that's kind of out of the window. And so, we know this. Yeah. And then we know this better than anybody where. In the playoffs, it's always about the superstars. Like, yes, there's a top seven, top eight, but the superstars typically are the ones on teams that get you to the clutch shot you need in a final minute or get you the 50-point game you need in an elimination game. My problem with this Nets team, though, is that there's some deep-rooted issues that cannot be fixed. The The record that's still – the number that still stands out to me with the Nets is they're 29 and 24 as of now, 12 and 13 at home, but 17 and 11 on the road. Which is, the again, the, the issue is with Kyrie not being on this team because it's hard to have a chemistry when you're playing half your games without your third best player who gives you so much on offense and he's now your second best guy. And then the other half of the games, you incorporate this all offense guy who needs the ball in his hands for the most part, who plays 35 minutes a night. It's crazy that people out there who are rooting for Brooklyn kind of want them to be a lower seed so they can have a potential game six uh, or a game five and a game seven on the road so Kyrie can play and he's not stuck like in 
a New York City or Philly situation where he can't play. That that's mm-hmm. a hard thing to deal with chemistry wise. Yeah. It definitely is. But Dom, here's the other thing too. Brooklyn's seventh right now, four and a half games at first. They're three and a half games of Milwaukee in third. Yeah. So they could have a good two, three week stretch in the Bucks or the Sixers or the Cavs or Toronto, even all who are ahead of Brooklyn right now could struggle. And they're right back into the top of the Eastern Conference standings. It's so it's really give and take. It, it, it's more so. What does what happens this week with the trade deadline? Does Harden get moved? If Harden gets moved for Ben Simmons, I am selling all my stock in Brooklyn. I have no faith in Ben Simmons being the carrier for this team because yes, he does have a good ball ball handling ability and a good defensive presence. But he had who knows what type of basketball shape he is in. There are all these talks about oh his back is hurting him. Uh, he's not in the right mental state. Whether it's bullshit or not. Apologies for the French, but oh, no, you, how, with Ben Simmons, we're allowed to use bullshit. It's it's totally right. <laughs> that's how agonizingly painful it is to watch all this saga unfold. He it's going to be the same issue that the Sixers have with Simmons and Embiid with Simmons and Durant because Durant needs as much space as possible. He's not the same post up guy that Embiid is. Obviously, he can do whatever he can from outside, but. Durant needs as much space to operate so he can go into the post and do what he needs to do. He can go on the perimeter and do what he needs to do. When you have another clogger up in the middle, that takes away part of Kevin Durant's game. And that also hurts Kyrie as well if it's going to be KD, Harden, or KD Simmons, and Kyrie. Because Kyrie, his best move is crossing up a defender and finishing at the basket. Can't really do that if Ben Simmons is there. Well, and you bring up two good points. Point number one being that Brooklyn could easily be a three or four seed by two weeks from now. And the Mm -hmm. other big one, which the one I'm fearing is that out of all these teams in the Eastern conference, Brooklyn has the highest upside because they've got arguably the best player in the league. Harden who on a good night could be a top 10 guy and Kyrie who could be a top 20 ish guy all on the right nights. And when they're together, it's their most potent. They're the hardest to beat out of all these trios in the Eastern conference. And if you're a team like, for instance, the Chicago Bulls, you fight this whole season for the second seat and you might face Brooklyn in round one and their elimination games might be with Kyrie on the road, which actually might help the Brooklyn Nets more so than the Chicago Bulls, which that's a whole funny narrative in itself. It is funny indeed. And if this is Brooklyn in terms of all the teams we're going to talk about today, that is, that is the one with the biggest question marks in terms of how will this week unfold after this week, we can have a completely different conversation, but this week there's just so many variables right now. What are your thoughts real quick on the James Harden thing? Is that more like talk than it is actual theory? I don't think Brooklyn's going to move him just because for how much they gave up to get him to get, say, Hey, he gave up all these draft picks, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, et cetera, et cetera. A bunch of our key young pieces to get Ben Simmons, a guy <laughs> who in five years hasn't shown anything in terms of, being able to play a complete game of basketball from shooting the ball offensively, defensively, et cetera. He's got an immense amount of talent, Ben Simmons does, but he doesn't have the complete game. And I think he, James Harden is a better fit for this team than Ben Simmons would be. So I think unless Brooke. Well, and the other thing too, it's a good transition with, Moving to, I think, personally, my next panic team, which is the Sixers, 
not necessarily panicking in that their momentum is off or that they aren't a contender, but panicking in that Embiid's in the middle of his prime. I'm looking at the broader Eastern Conference, and I think Philly has a good shot this year. If I'm the Sixers, I don't know what your take on this. I wouldn't want to waste a year of Embiid's basketball prime because Ben Simmons doesn't want to play basketball and play for the Sixers. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I think Daryl Morey is trying to do something, but everyone knows the issue of Ben Simmons. A lot of these top guys, Daryl Morey, when he openly said, we'll take a top 30 to 40 player for Ben Simmons, that really shot him, shot him in the foot. Because no team is, if you list out the top 30 players in the NBA, or even the top 40, none of those teams are going to want to give up that kind of value to get Ben Simmons, a Ben Simmons with too many question marks. So Daryl Morey has really shot himself in the foot. I think right now in season to make a deal, it's going to be impossible. Off season, you have more of a chance because then you got guys who are maybe a little bit more disgruntled uh, contract wise. Ben Simmons also has a massive contract. So it really does limit what you can get for him. Oh yeah. So many guys Um, like Damian Lillard being hurt too also helped also hurts the Sixers because that was one of their options and that immediately crosses him off the board. There are really only two options for Philly. And I don't know if either of them are going to happen. That's Brooklyn with James Harden and Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. In terms of realisticness, because there is the alternative, the one I've been hearing is the McCollum from the Blazers to Philly, but I don't even think I want to do that on the Philadelphia 76ers. And the thing I've noticed too with Philly is that their asking price is so high for this guy like the other day, there was a rumor that they turned on a trade that was Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, Kelly Olynyk, and two firsts. And I'm thinking, like, I would have taken that in a hurry. Ben Simmons. Yeah, and, it, and, it, and, and Philly said no. I, I missed that. What is Philly thinking? Jeremy <laughs> Grant. I mean, yes, Jeremy Grant's more of a post-tweener kind of guy, but so is Embiid. Sadiq Bay is a knockdown shooter. Kelly Olynyk, you can buy his contract out. Uh, or or yeah. play him next to Embiid because the one guy you want next to Embiid is the guy who could just shoot threes and get out of his right. way. And two first-round picks, yeah. Detroit's going to have to be a bottom feeder, although this year they're second to last. They're tied, basically tied for last in the Eastern Conference. They're a half game up on Orlando. But they're not going to be great for the next five or so years. So you think in theory, okay, we'll get a maybe a low lottery pick or high lottery pick type of thing, uh, maybe around 12 to 16 range if – Maybe they crack the playoffs one of the year, but I, I don't know what Philly's thinking. Uh, well, I'll, let you go first. I'll let you go first. Now, what's your next kind of big panic team in the NBA right now? This is this is fairly obvious. Uh, it's the Knicks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that they got RJ Barrett scoring a career high last night and Julius Randle, they were up so big. Well, I watched that Laker game in full. And the fact that they lost that, that's cause for concern, number one. But number two – Julius Randle, obviously, I mean, it's been well documented the whole next season. Julius Randle's been really inconsistent. Derrick Rose being hurt has definitely helped, definitely hurt this team. Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier have not lived up to the contracts. And it, it's kind of, they're kind of in weird spots. Tom Thibodeau doesn't like playing his young guys. So you got guys like Cam Reddish, who they traded for, hasn't seen the floor much. Quinn Grimes is getting a little more minutes. The same with Obi Toppin, but still not much. Uh, the only young guys who really get a significant amount of minutes are quickly and Barrett. So that's, it's definitely concerning for sure. I do think the, there is, there talks about the De'Aaron Fox move. I think New York should try to make that as much as possible. It's basically swapping Randall for Fox. 
I think it'd be a great move for them, a great move for maybe not a great move for Sacramento, but they need something. They clearly don't like Fox anymore, and they're going to favor Halliburton. So why not favor how play Halliburton alongside a Julius Randle, who is proven to be an All Star, and just I don't know. I think it works out nicely for them. The Knicks for sure. They're also a game and a half out of the play in right now. So clearly they could obviously get back in, but they continue to struggle. They can find themselves way out of there. And the thing too, the Knicks are an excellent example of like why you need a bigger sample size on things because by far and away from last season, they were the biggest anomaly from any of the teams. When you look at the statistics, basically, especially on defense, they were like, what, like a top three defense in the league. Randall, the big one, Huge statistical outlier career-wise, especially from long two-pointers and threes. The stat that still gets me is that he shot 40% on threes and, like, 45% on long twos, and he's never been above, like, 33% from three and, like, 36% from long twos. So it was going to come down. And the big warning sign for me personally was when Randall ex- accepted the contract extension because he could have waited. Until the could have not yeah, he could have waited for – no, you, he could have waited for more money. But when he signed, I was like, wait, he, know, he knows what I'm thinking, which is that his performance was definitely way over his, his basketball limit. Yeah, and that's the thing. The Knicks, they couldn't not offer him that deal because if he does play well, they're gonna, he's going to ask for even more. Um, but as you've seen, he hasn't really lived up to the contract as of right now. I mean, there's still a lot of time, obviously. If he helps will the Knicks into a top, because, because everything's so tight up, they could be in the top six in a matter of a month, real, possibly. Um, There's just so many variables there. He hasn't lived up to it, so it's made the contract not worth it. He's showing not as much effort. But if he can play like he did last night, there is no reason to me to think that Julius Randle can't turn around and the Knicks can't turn it around. They just got unlucky with a Lakers team that had LeBron James and Anthony Davis just playing out of their minds. Yeah, my, my issue with Randall is just that we've had, what, eight years of Randall, and he had one good year and seven kind of, like, decent to good stats, but definitely not, like, the best player on the team. This is what Randall is. He can put up good stats, and your team could be around 500, maybe a, a little bit above or a little bit below. But that's the Julius Randall show to me. And my problem with the Knicks is I think they need to move some of these guys because you said they have a lot of young talent, like, the fact that he traded a first for Cam Reddish and he's played, what, five minutes in the two weeks that he's been on the roster so far. As he didn't even play last night. He didn't yeah. even play last And they've got, like, Quentin, Quentin Grimes uh, in the rotation. He's looked good. R.J. Barrett seems like he's a pretty good foundational piece. And then, of course, all of this, and they're still missing guys. Like, Norwin's Noel's been in now the uh, rotation with some injuries. Derek Rose has been out for a month. He's coming back. That's even more guys taking up. The problem in New York is that they have a lot of, guys that could play on a court, but you can't play 13 guys on a court at a time. You can only play five. Yeah. Dom, here's the crazy thing. Last night, Julius Randle played 41. This is a game that went to overtime. Hey, cover so, girls. Oh, stinging ESPN with their ads. Um, <laughs> this is a game that went to overtime, so it's 48 minutes plus in what, additional five? Oh, five, yeah. Additional five. Okay, so 53 minutes. Randle played 41. Kemba played 24. Mitchell Robinson played 30, Fournier played 37, RJ played 50. And then off the bench, you have Alec Burks, who's been horrible this season. They definitely should have kept Reggie Bullock over Alec Burks. I said that all offseason. 
he played 30. Noel played 23. Toppin played 12. Grimes played 15 and quickly played five. No Jericho Sims, no Cam Reddish, no Tosh Gibson, and no McBride. I forget his first name, but that's the point. You have three of your young guys not playing, and you're playing Alec Burks 30 minutes, and quick and Isaac and Emmanuel quickly played five minutes. Makes zero sense to me. The fact that the Knicks, looking at this whole roster and how it shook out, the fact that they were even leading and had a chance to win is shocking to me. They should have gotten blown out because 68 of their 115 points came from two guys. Well, and the thing with New York, too, one of my best bets that I've ever done uh, preseason was betting the Knicks under because the Knicks were at for uh, over under on wins was 40 and a half. I remember this exclusively. And I was like, oh, that was something something 500. <laughs> yeah, that was such a sucker bet. And so many people took it. And it's it's worked out nicely for those who took the under. Well, especially because look at their team right now. Their their fundamental problem is they have, they have young guys who can't get in the rotation because Thibodeau's a hard ass. Yeah. And the guys they brought back all had fluke years last year. Like Alex Burks just comes out of nowhere and drops 40% from three. They bank on uh, Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker. That was so overrated with all due respect by the media, at least the sports media, because we forget Kemba Walker has flamed out on multiple teams now and has not looked the same. And Evan Fournier, Evan Fournier has that one good year with the Magic, and he flamed out every other team he's been in, particularly in the postseason. I don't know what people were thinking, and, like, this team could be 500. I didn't get it. Yeah. Dom, here, here's an interesting question. because We've heard two basically main rumors about this Knicks team and trading Julius Randle. What would you rather see? Would you rather see the Knicks trade basically a package of Fournier, Kemba, and Randall for De'Aaron Fox? or Fournier, Kemba, and Randall for Russell Westbrook? Because I've heard both options out there. Mm. I would think for the Knicks, it's better to get De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> but just from a talent standpoint, because he's got so much more to grow, but what do you think? The, well, these, I mean, that's actually a little closer than I think people think, because Westbrook, if you take him on, he's only got two years left, so it's not horrible. Because Fox's contract could get ugly if it's, what, it's like th- five for 195 or something crazy. He gets paid like 35 mil a year for – the next he's, half on his second, he's on his second contract right now, so he is only going to go up in theory. Yeah, so I, I would probably take Darren Fox. Million. Yeah, he signed a five-year, $163 million yeah. That This is the first year, so he's got four more years at $30 million, $32 million, $34 million, and then 2025, 2026, making $37 million at yeah. age 27. Part of me wants to say Westbrook because I, it's not even like a crazy take, but you, he's a big name for New York. New York is well known for taking on big names who have guys who are washed up. I'm looking at Stephon Marbury and Steve Francis, among others, for point guards. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm also personally not high on uh, Darren Fox myself. He's just a guy where the, the goal of getting a guy at your position is that he needs to be in the top 10 to 15 for him to be good. I'm not pay, paying Darren Fox 30-ish million to be, what, the top 20 guy for his position for being a point guard? That's a hard sell for me personally. Yeah, and for context, Russell Westbrook, he's making $44 million next year. He'll make $47 million the year after. Oh, so there's that, there, it's obviously a possibility, but it, it, it works out. The trade Fournier, Kemba, Randall. And then obviously the Lakers will have to include something else, probably maybe like Malik Monk. Or- well, the Lakers will take that in a heartbeat because they can get – they need a good bruising power forward they really don't have. 
uh, uh, Fournier could be a perfect shooting guard uh, next to LeBron, of course. And then who's the other guy? Uh, Walker's like the perfect shoot first point guard. Doesn't need the ball in his hand. So right. I would love that for the Lakers. The Lakers would definitely love that. They don't want Westbrook. <laughs> and then you could do either Kemba at eighty at the five or Randall at the five, depending on the team, um, because you got two guys at the same position, but it, it works out. Yeah, I, I love that trade. I think any other Knicks takes you want to get on the record here before we move on? Yeah, James Dolan, sell the team. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that one before uh, almost all my life. So he's still there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> I think what well, you hinted at the next team that I've got on my list, but the Lakers are probably a big, big panic team right now for a lot of reasons. I'll let you go first, though. What do you think? I mean, it's the fact that LeBron James, he missed five games with a knee. So who knows where his health is at? Anthony Davis is the most fragile superstar in the NBA, both in terms of ego and body. Um, so that is certainly a cause for concern for the Lakers. Russell Westbrook, he's had more shots, I think, hit the top of the backboard this season than I could in a game. And I suck at basketball. I think I can make more – wait, hang on. <laughs> I can miss fewer shots than Russell Westbrook has shots that have hit the top or the side of the backboard. Doesn't, I don't think that made sense, but you get. I hope you get what I'm saying. It's been horrible. And then well, the Lakers. You, you can't. You can't use the word "make" in a sentence. Westbrook hasn't done that all that much. So. Exactly. Um, you said Brooklyn's bench is bad. The Lakers, I think, is even worse. You've got <laughs> aging centers and Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan. Malik Monk is so inconsistent. He had a great game last night, but then he'll probably have three straight bad games. Um, Av Bradley's not the same guy that he once was for sure and it's actually kind of upsetting because i used to love avery bradley as a wing defender i always wanted my teams to try to get him here's how bad it's gotten they got stanley johnson they signed him the guy was a bust in detroit and then they signed him to two 10-day contracts and then for the rest of the season and one other thing taylor horton tucker overrated so overrated in my opinion i don't see what any team sees it yeah, there's a lot to unpack. I, I said this on a pod earlier that uh, you know your season's going bad when you had to sign Stanley Johnson because of a COVID outbreak and you have to keep the guy you signed because he actually plays decently for you because you have nobody else to play. <laughs> He's not like Bismack Biombo for Phoenix, who's actually played phenomenally well. Yeah, that, that so the thing with this Lakers team is that you kind of contextualize it best is LeBron – is getting up there in age and we cannot go on the assumption any longer that he could just go through an entire regular season, hundred percent healthy, especially when this is the first time I can remember personally that LeBron's had an injury. That's not like soreness, like actual like knee problems or like back issues or whatever. He had the, he had the ankle sprain last season. That, but that's but. what I'm saying. Like in the Lakers tenure, like before the Lakers tenure, he never had this problem where he would miss, like he had a groin injury the first year with Cleveland and other than that, he's been healthy his whole career. So, and then you said AD wildly inconsistent this season, especially uh, both on the court and off the court and the Westbrook trade, of course, now looks way bad and way more terrible now than it did a couple months ago. Yeah. And it, it sucks because um, I feel like the Lakers, they have also, and we didn't even mention Frank Vogel, who knows? He doesn't. He has. I think he's lost the locker room in a lot of ways. So that certainly doesn't help them either. The Lakers. It's hard to put it because the team they had in 2020 
I think the reason why they won was not only because they had a decently good team with around LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but LeBron James also got to rest so much. He had all those months off where he just rest his body and it'd be so fresh for the bubble. He realized, okay, it's going to be a 25, 30 game sprint, however long it was. So we didn't have to worry about, oh, I got to play. I got 50 more games left or I got a whole season to prepare for. Um, and, and now we're also finally seeing the nine straight finals appearances are finally catching up to him. It made it suck because LeBron's arguably the greatest player of all time. And he's the greatest of our generation outside of Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace. Uh, not biased or anything from that end on my end. But um, it, it, father time is just finally catching up with him. We saw it with Brady. We saw it with Roethlisberger. We're now seeing it with LeBron James. Yeah, father time is undefeated in any sport and for any athlete. And the timeline you laid out is very simple. Goes to the Lakers after that crazy Cleveland year where he sneaks them into the finals. First year with them has the groin injury, plays like 50-ish games. Next year plays 50-ish games. Or I think it was like 60-something. Bubble happens. Uh, COVID outbreak, whatever. We have the NBA bubble. Can rest during that whole kind of quarantine period before going to Orlando. Following season, which was last year, gets injured is definitely not 100% healthy in the playoffs. You could just tell. And now this season, the injuries are back. It's not a coincidence that three of the four years there was injuries for LeBron, and the one year there was no injuries, there was the extended rest for, what, four months? It's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a reality now. Yeah, for sure. And then the other, team, the other thing with this Lakers team that I've stressed is that what's the out? Because – they have no more picks. They've got the, the package is basically THT, Kendrick Nunn, and a distant first rounder that gets you into the ballpark of like 18-ish million and an asset. But I just don't know what guy they're going to get at this deadline, either at the trade, or either for through trade or through a buyout or whatever. They're kind of stuck with this team for now until the playoffs. Yeah, and they have no cap space either because of how much LeBron and Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook are making. Unless they can find someone to take Russell Westbrook's contract, I, I just don't know what it's going to be for this team. Well, and I'll end on this note for the Lakers because it's been hammered probably a gajillion times. But if the problem we're having about talking with this team is the depth of the roster, it would make so much more sense that they kept Westbrook. Or, I'm uh, sorry, uh, didn't trade for Westbrook and kept KCP, Carroll, uh, oh, yeah. and all those guys. Kept that first and round. And they probably going to trade it for Buddy Heels. Yeah, and then the decision to not pay Caruso $8 million a year but pay THC $12 million a year is really biting the Lakers in the ass right now because they just need any sort of defense. The, the incompetent – Stop, you're stressing me out. As a Laker <laughs> fan, this hurts so much right now. That, that might be – the go Caruso, all-star Caruso, uh, yeah, you're definitely missing him for sure. It's not even that Caruso like, – it's just the fact – that they were like, we're not going to pay you eight million, but we'll pay you 12 million for a guy who we have not seen anything from. We saw, so I, gotta, I gotta ask, I gotta ask, what is Taylor Horton Tucker's actual skill? Like, tell me the one thing he's good at because I tried coming up with it, I can't figure it out. <laughs> I don't know, I honestly don't. And I've watched a lot of his film, and it's just he can't shoot very well, he's okay defender, and that's generous. I think, I think it's just the fact that he's young and he's got. He's got a decent frame. Everyone's googling about that, but I, I, I just don't see it. Uh, what's the next team on your panic team list? The next team on my panic list, and this is honestly 
the last one I'm truly, truly panicked about and because all the other teams seem to be in a decently good spot, and that's Charlotte. This oh, is a team. I've, I've got a couple more, but I want to hear your thoughts on Charlotte here. Let's hear well, it. Well, there are teams that I'm definitely like kind of concerned about, but they haven't given they haven't forced me to push the big red button yet. Charlotte, I'm very, very close to pushing the big red big red button because yes, they're ninth in the East right now. They are six games out of first. They got two up. They're three up over Washington, who's on the outside looking in. They've lost four straight. But here's the thing with Charlotte. This is a team that has got a lot of inexperience. LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, Gordon Haywards, and maybe you could say Terry Rozier are the only two guys who have had significant playoff experience um, for a team. And even then, Terry Rozier is very, very minimal. So Gordon Hayward, yeah, he's had the experience. But you go down this roster, they got a lot of young guys who – are just waiting to be developed. James Booknight has barely played. Vernon Carey has barely played. P.J. Washington, I think he's – now that we've had the emergence of Miles Bridges, I think he's kind of on the way out. I think this team, they could definitely make a move with some of the young pieces that they have, but I honestly don't think they should unless it's for a quality center, Miles Turner. Miles Turner? <laughs> yeah, Miles Turner. Maybe you can make the DeMontis a bonus move, but you have to give up Hayward but I wouldn't even want to entertain that so much because this team, they got so many guys under the age of 25. A lot of their key cocks, Lamello, Bridges, Washington, Rozier is, hang on, I just had it. He's 27. He'd be the old head on this team. So you could really build around those guys and get something high quality going forward. I don't think they should, they should trade their assets right now and some of the young guys for big piece unless it's a great deal. But right now, in terms of the playoffs, I'm kind of slowly losing hope because Washington can certainly pick it back up. New York can pick it back up. Atlanta looks like they should. They're playing Dallas right now. They're down by four. So Charlotte, ugh, I just don't think this is their year to make the playoffs. Well, Charlotte's actually a good one because they aren't, they aren't like red button panicky for me, but they're like yellow button panicky for a couple of reasons. There's some big fundamental flaws with this team, including the youth and the inexperience. Number one, their center position is just a big, big hole. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. Mason, what's their rotation? Mason Pumbley and PJ Washington at the five kind of trading minutes there. They can really use a Rashawn Holmes, Miles Turner, uh, Sabonis, just run, jump, dunk guy. Nurkic will be an interesting fit with this team, but like somebody like that, just a big bruiser who can, you know, do that, the, all the big stuff. And I, I was watching the Hornets-Cleveland uh, Cavaliers game the other night, and a big theme I've noticed from Charlotte is they can't close games with LaMelo because he's not a good defender and he's super thin, and teams are pulling a Trey Young and just attacking him every possession possible. They don't have kind of the team around him yet who can just, like, cover up for those weaknesses. And he's too inconsistent of a shooter. The, the guy, he can run it and gun it, like, better than anyone else, but – he at times he will just go up and pull up in a th- for a three and it's not the right shot because he thinks he can run he can basically own the court and he can he's that talented but he's not at the level yet where he's not like Trey or Steph where they pull up and nine times out of ten they're probably going to make it Lamelo is more like six or five times out of ten which is still good but it's not, when you have a, a cutting player wide open under the basket and you're not throwing it to them it misses out on a lot of opportunities. Like the other night against Cleveland, that's the game they should have won. But you 
could point to a couple of things LaMelo did that kind of hurt that team and the refs did too, but that's a separate issue. Well, and the thing is that there was a big hype around like LaMelo Ball should make the all-star team this year. And the big reason I was kind of not really on that side was the simple fact that it's hard to put a guy in an all-star team when you can't play the fourth quarter with him because of some big, big inconsistencies. And I'll end on Charlotte with this note is that they're super exciting. Like Miles Bridges took a leap this year. I love the Rozier Gordon Hayward fits, but this team definitely needs to make a move for something, whether it's consolidating two of their guys for a better player, fixing the hole at center, which I think I've been on the miles Turner to Charlotte uh, bandwagon for the last two and a half to three years. They, they're in need of a, an, up, an upgrade or a, a rendition for sure. Yeah. Um, I had LaMelo Ball, by the way, as an all-star. I also had Miles Bridges. I do think with Kevin Durant not playing the all-star game, Miles Bridges needs to be the injury replacement. I think out of all the forwards in the Eastern Conference that didn't make it, like obviously Bam Adebayo should be there, but he's been hurt. I think Miles Bridges deserves it more than a Jalen Brown, more than a uh, – Jalen Brown's a guard, but – more than a DeMontis Sabonis. I think he's played very well this season. Well, honestly, there was a big case that uh, Tatum should not be on the team. And I would have had – like, Chris Middleton made the team. I was like, oh, I'd rather have well, Wild Bridges. He should not have made the team. Yeah. <laughs> he not have been there. Let me see. Uh, so, he's I kind of hinted at a team that I think is on a panic list by far. The Indiana Pacers, I remember we talked about ages ago. This is mm-hmm. the – they're in literally NBA purgatory, and here's why. They're the 13th seed in the Eastern Conference, right? They are 19 and 35. They are six games back about from the Knicks at the 12 spot. But then they're also six games ahead of the Pistons for the, the second to last spot in the East. So in other words, they're kind of in this situation where they can't really tank because it's too late. But there's, they're kind of way behind the play-in race right now with guys. They actually have veterans on their roster. So bonus is allegedly an all-star. This team screams red flags that they need to do something. Yeah, it definitely does scream red flags. Um, my my thing, I'm not too concerned about them just from the standpoint of the season's basically a wash at this point. They're 15 games out of first in the East, and they're seven out of the play-in. Um, Demontis Sabonis, I mean, they and they just traded away arguably their best, their second best player when healthy, Karis LeVert. Yeah. Demont Sabonis being the first, and they got Rubio and some picks. So it clearly shows that the Pacers are kind of like, okay, this is not going to be our year. We're just going to try to get as high as a pick as we can. They'll probably be top five, eh, maybe maybe top seven because because there's so many bad teams in the West. But I think Indiana, they're they're in a spot now. It's like they're not going to compete for the playoffs, so that's why I'm not concerned. It's not like a team that's in that's slowly dropping back. But I do understand what you're saying is they are in NBA purgatory. Well, the other thing with this team, too, is they get screwed where it sounds like they want to keep Sabonis and trade Turner, but then Turner has this injury, and he's not going to be back for at least another three weeks as we're taping this. So, yeah, no team, the, the value goes down because it's like, hey, if we're trading for this guy, it's probably, unless it's a team like the Hornets who are thinking down the road, a team probably wanting to get Turner is a team that needs him right now. I wouldn't give up multiple first or a young guy and some picks if I'm another team of Turner's not going to be healthy. And I've been an anti Sabonis guy for the longest time. He Sabonis is a good player, awesome counting stats, but he's a hard guy to fit around because he's kind of a, he, he's, he's an out of position four or five. That's more of a tweener and you need the right team around him to really make him a good player. Yeah. 
I totally agree. Um, I think Sabonis should get moved soon. Uh, I think there are a lot of teams who could really benefit from having him on their roster. Um, and Indiana just needs to hit the hard reset button because like the old, the, here's the thing with Indiana. If Oladipo never got hurt and they had their core of Oladipo, Sabonis, Turner, Brogdon, this is a completely different team. But because Oladipo got hurt and they never came back to being the same guy, it changed their whole mindset. And they probably would not have been involved in the James Harden trade if Oladipo didn't get hurt. They probably would not. Like, it, there's just so many other things right now, but I think they do need to hit a hard reset. Well, and you hinted at it. This Karis LeVert trade that happened today on a Sunday uh, hinted at the direction they're going in. Their goal is that they're trying to rebuild and reset the roster here with whatever direction they want. But clearly, uh, clearly it's not the winning ways in Indiana. You said it real quick, but I think a good another panic team is Sacramento. Kind of similar situation yeah. with Indiana where – They've got these guys under contract with Darren Fox, Hal Burden, Harrison Barnes, Rashawn Holmes, Buddy Heald, but they're not winning. And they're also kind of stuck in the middle where they're probably going to end up with the ninth or 10th pick, maybe like top six in a very, very ideal world. But Sacramento's anything, been anything but an ideal world the last couple of years with that team. So what are your thoughts on Sacramento here? Uh it's just Sacramento is going to be a continued spot of losing. For our whole thing, think about this, for basically our entire lives, outside of a couple years in the early 2000s where you probably weren't even born yet, it's like Sacramento has been horrible. And they, what, it's been, what, 17 years? since It would, be, it would be 17 if, uh, if you counted this season. Okay, 17 years because they're not making it this year. Yes, they're a couple games out of the plan, but I don't count that as playoffs. you got to be a top eight seed after the play-in to get into the playoffs. Um, Sacramento, it's just the Fox experiment hasn't worked, and I really loved De'Aaron Fox coming out of college. I thought he should have been – I liked him more than – for me, I had his point guards. I had Alonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, Markel Fultz. That's how I had the top three point guards. Um, and he's clearly shown to be better than both of those guys for the most part, but it's just that Sacramento hasn't been able to put a team around him. Marvin Bagley has been an absolute bust and he doesn't seem like they've tried getting him out of there. And I, I don't know why he hasn't gotten out of there. There's something else I'm guessing missing. They brought in Halliburton. who's a nice young guy, but he doesn't fit well at Fox. And so now they're going to try to move him. Rashawn Holmes has been injured so much. Harrison Barnes. Okay. I guess he's had shown moments and then they haven't found a coach at all. Then they fired, they fired Luke Walton like a month and a half into the season. It seems like something like that. So for me, Sacramento, there's just no direction with this team. And there frankly hasn't been for a decade and a half. Yeah, and, and it's like you said it, there's always these like crisscross moves where the draft picks fine. Like they're notoriously unlucky and probably stupid with some of those picks, but it's like they get cousins, trade them for blah. They signed Darren Fox to this max deal, which I don't think he's personally worth. Again, I'm, it, I've never been a big Darren Fox guy like you, but these moves where they're kind of, again, staying in this middle ground of not contending but acting like they're contenders and they're not getting the the bump from teams where they're going to get a good pick, it's kind of hard to be a good team when you're kind of stuck in this kind of situation. Here's the other thing, too. We didn't even mention Buddy Heald once again. This is a guy who they brought in from the Marcus Cousins trade, and they haven't been able to find a home – like, they haven't been able to trade him. So there's another guy they have on a roster who's not happy 
hasn't even gotten that. Look at some of the picks that they've had in the last, we'll go back five years. So we'll, we'll go back to 2016. That was the year they took Marquise Chris with the eighth overall pick. You know who went right after Marquise Chris? Well, at 11 with DeMonte Sabonis. <laughs> Pascal Siakam, 27. Malcolm Brogdon, 36. All guys who have been better than Marquise Chris. All right, let's go to 2017. That was the year they took De'Aaron Fox. Okay, great pick. But you know who also went after De'Aaron Fox? Donovan Mitchell. Bam out of bio. Two all-star. OG Ananobi, a really solid role player in the NBA. And I'll go to 2018 to, to save us time. Marvin Bagley, obviously, look who went after him. Luka Doncic, Jaron Jackson, Trey Young. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's Miles Bridges. Yeah, that sums up kind of the uh, the doomsday of Sacramento. And real quick on Sacramento is that yet again, all the pieces are there for them because teams are looking for a, a Buddy Heel type scorer who can play off the bench. Teams are looking for uh, Harrison Barnes as a perfect glue guy. Like if I'm a team like Phoenix or Milwaukee or some of these uh, teams that need a stretch four, I'm calling Sacramento and giving them my best offer. Uh, and even Darren Fox, there's, I mean, there are teams that kind of value him. He could be good on a team that needs like a floor general if the price is right. Uh, they have logical moves to make the questions now. Do they make him or not? Yeah, it, that is the thing. And we'll see, we'll see what happens going forward. The other thing too, they've had, they haven't had a first round pick. Like they had Halliburton's first round pick. They didn't have one in the 2021 draft. They didn't have a first round pick in 2019. They didn't, they, yeah, they didn't have one in 2019. So they are depleted as some young guys. So we'll see what happens going forward. Also, by the way, in 2017, they took Zach Collins 10th, also before uh, Sam Adebayo and Donovan Mitchell. Well, the worst part, they, actually, they traded Zach Collins for another guy, but that guy ended up being way worse. And Zach Collins hasn't played. So anything <laughs> hurt. John Collins too. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. I think I think a good team to end on for this segment's the Washington Wizards. Now I've loved the Wizards personally because of the Westbrook trade. Very very smart move. But golly, they, how they got out of that is the, how they got out of the John Wall contract and the Russell Westbrook contract is shocking. Wait, and in the same like year and a half too. That's the funny part because they tra- were traded back to back off seasons. <laughs> so here's the problem I have with the Wizards. I feel like I've been saying for the last six years that they need to move Bradley Beal and they haven't. And you have this weird situation where this team is stuck at right below 500 with no clear upside whatsoever. And there's this theory out there that Bradley Beal, he wants to stay with the team, whatever, but then they haven't signed him to a contract extension yet. And I feel like we've gone down this path before with other superstars where they're committed quote unquote to the team and then they get traded in the offseason. I'm looking at Paul George and Jimmy Butler among others. What what's the take from this Wizards team? Because I think that there's red alarms all over this team. I mean, here, here's the thing: they were a nice story to start. Be they were what the top fourth in the East at one point, and now they're eleventh, basically five and a half games, four and a half games out of the top six. So there's definitely still hope for them. They're on a little bit of a skid right now. But you mentioned it; it's the Beal thing. They got to figure out what they're going to do with him. Are they going to sign him long term, or are they going to try to trade him? They got some nice young pieces. Rui Hachimura has been okay when healthy. Kyle Kuzma, uh, Din Wheaties, all right. Thomas Bryant's finally coming back from an injury, so maybe he can help them. Danny Avdia, he was a first-round pick in 2020. Didn't love it, but, you know, Wizards. Um, 
So they, they got to determine if they're going to keep Beal, okay. Get something to pair with Beal. If they're going to get rid of Beal, okay, totally fine. They, now they need to pick who's the young guy we're going to build around, and we'll go from there. Well, and on this note, what is your evaluation of Bradley Beal as an actual superstar in the league? Because the, here's the debacle is that he's been kind of not good all year quietly. And if the Wizards extend him, it would be for what, five for 190 million or five for 200 million? It'd be a big contract. Is, is he worth that money? And what's your take on him as like an all NBA guy? Is he more of an all star? Is he just super inconsistent? You wouldn't call him that? What's your thought on Bradley Beal? First, before Bradley Beal, I got to mention the worst contract in the NBA, Davis Bertans. The biggest waste of money ever. Oh my God, that was a botch. Uh, had one good season, then they signed him to the extension and he hasn't well, played. And real Didn't quick, play I, 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 I want to add no, remember how he not only had that one good year, the Wizards offered him to go to the bubble and he said, uh, F no. He said no. And then got right. the money. <laughs> right. And he got hurt. Um, so here's the thing with Beal. Injury prone, that's my thing. And the other thing is, he's only a scorer. He, shoot, he scores 23 points per game this season. 4.7 rebounds, 6.6 assists. You know where he is in PER? 52nd. That's not what you expect out of your number one guy. That's just a thought, in my opinion. Um, and that's been the case for his whole career. Can light it up on the scoreboard. He merely led the NBA in scoring last season, came in second to Steph Curry, um, and extremely talented. And then he, he led, I think he led the NBA, he was second in the NBA scoring in 2019 too, but it lost to James Harden. Uh, but he just can't do anything else. So if you need a guy who could get you 25 points a night when healthy, yeah, trade for Bradley Beal. The issue is he's got to be healthy. And if he's not hitting on all cylinders, shooting the ball, He's a liability. Uh, Tyler, another great episode. Thank you so so, uh, so much, I guess, for joining the pod. Dom, I appreciate it, my friend. Hopefully next time I'm not going to be so amped up about all these bad teams.